Hi, I'm Sally Prosser. Welcome to That Voice Podcast. Great to have you here. Take a breath and settle in. Practical tips and inspirational stories are coming your way to help you speak with more confidence, to grow your business, advance your career, and be done with public speaking freakouts. As a former TV journalist and company spokesperson, qualified speech and drama teacher, spiritual life coach, and TikToker, I know firsthand the power of using your voice with confidence. Let's go. Welcome to That Voice Podcast. I am Sally. Welcome back if you're a loyal listener. Really appreciate you. Thank you. Today's guest is someone you might recognize from your TV screen, especially if you grew up in Australia or the UK. Carla Bonner is best known for her role as Stephanie Scully in the long-running TV series Neighbours. I met Carla through the Dharma Coaching Institute, where we studied to help people find their life purpose. Believe me, it's a lot easier to find your voice if you first find your purpose. Anyway, after getting to know a bit about Carla, of course, I had to invite her on the podcast. In this episode, Carla shares how she came to be on Neighbours, what voice training she's had, how she was terrified of public speaking and how she overcame that. Carla also shares what she's up to now as a purpose and life coach, what spirituality means to her, and she offers an amazing piece of advice for how to speak from your soul. Speaking of which, today, Monday, May 2nd, doors are now open to my six-week online course, Speak From Your Soul. If you want to speak your truth without fear of judgment, If you want to feel free to speak openly and honestly, communicating what you really want to say, speak with purpose, clarity and authenticity and connect with your inner voice, this is the course for you. It's incredibly soulful and also incredibly practical, of course. All the good stuff's in there. There's videos, ebooks, meditations and most of all, live circles where you get the opportunity to share your voice. I will link in the show notes, not to the wait list, but to the sign up page. Doors are open now and they close on Saturday, Saturday, May 7th. Um, but the longer you leave it, the more bonuses that you're going to miss out on. <laughs> okay. I'll link to that in the show notes. Speak from your soul. Doors open now. Cannot wait to get the party started. But I have kept you hanging long enough. Grab a tea, settle in, and enjoy this incredible conversation with Carla Bonner. Carla Bonner, welcome to That Voice Podcast. It is such an honour to have you on the show. Oh, thanks, Sally. It's a pleasure to be here. Being in the public eye, I'm sure a lot of people would come up to you like they already know you. What's the usual question that they start with? Are you that? Are you that? (laughs) Yeah, you're... No, are you... That kind of thing. (laughs) And actually, you know what's really funny is um, I was on a train in Sydney and this guy sat across from me and it was quite an empty carriage and he's looking at me and... And, you know, he's kind of doing the head tilt thing. And I've seen it many, many times. And I started making assumptions on what he was thinking. And and then he said, you're from Superwog. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yes, yes, because I did. Like, you know, I did an episode on, a, on an ABC production called Superwog. It was hilarious that it wasn't Neighbours at all. It was... Superwalk, which has its own sort of cult following. And it was gorgeous. Yeah, it was really funny. 
Oh, I love that. I guess you get this question a lot as well, is how did you first get into Neighbours? So I was a little girl with a huge dream and I used to perform all the time and make my family sit as the audience and set up the stage and set up the seating and everything. And it was it was quite a ritual of mine. I loved it. And so I got myself into, into the local theatre company at about eight years old. Like everything was very driven by me. And I, at about 12 years old, I'd sit there with the yellow pages. And for those listeners that don't know what the yellow pages are, I'm showing my age, but, um, you know, it's the directory, the, the business directory. And I'd just flick through and I'd find casting agents. And then I'd call them and ask them if I can have an audition. And uh, one day it worked. She said, yes, yes, we'd love to see you, a general audition. So I jumped on two trains and went to the other side of the city to go and have this general audition. And um, it was amazing. And so then I continued on and my family were, I guess, fearful of rejection. And therefore that was sort of projected onto me. As, As a kid, though, I saw that as something wrong with me rather than their fears. So I just had this dream. This is what I'm doing. I didn't have a plan B. This is what I'm doing. And so, yeah, I went through school and I was involved in everything, acting and drama and theatre and anything I could do. And so then I had a baby when I was a baby. And then I knew that I needed to take a few years off the dream because I needed to establish this kid in the world, into the world and, and get him sorted and, and, you know, then I could turn back to it. Um, and so I did that and then I got myself into just an extras agency and when I started doing extras work, like loved it but hated it because it was there was a real sort of hierarchy thing going on and I just... I just really despised it, really detested it and and swore that when I get there, I will never treat people like this because, you know, they're treated like cattle. So then I continued on and I was doing more courses and masterclasses and workshops and, and I was discovered by an acting agent who came to watch our class, do our bits and pulled me aside afterward and it was, you know, every budding actor's dream to be picked up by an acting agent. Probably six months into it, I then fell pregnant with my second baby and he was like, no, but you know, as women do, he, um, he had big plans for me, but the divine had other plans for me. So went with that, had my second baby. And then when he was born, I jumped straight back into the game and was auditioning straight away, like middle of breastfeeding, run in, do my audition, then come back out and keep breastfeeding and, you know, that sort of thing. And And then when Jai was 18 months old and Harley was seven, I was on my way just to a play date and I thought I should take my headshots into my agent. Like I just had this gut, this voice inside said, take your headshots over to your agent now before you go on the play date. So I did that, diverted across the city. And I walked up the stairs and I walked into my agent's office and she was husband and wife team and she was on the phone to Australia's beautiful Jan Russ who's in casting for Neighbours for many 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 years and um, my agent looked at me and her mouth just dropped and she said Carla Bonner has just walked through the door so she got off the phone and she said to me Jan Russ wants to see you immediately so I jumped back in the car and went back across the city 
to Jan's office and when I walked in she just grabbed my baby and <laughs> threw a script at me and said do the best with that you can that's what we call a cold read so I just did this I did this did this audition it was weird and wild and wonderful and then the next day I got a call to say I've got a call back and went into the studio and had a callback with the sisters, the, the girls that were to play my sisters. And what had happened was the role of Steph had already been cast. The Scully family had been filming for six weeks. When the original Steph, woman cast as Steph, said, um, I can't do this. I can't. She had a bit of a meltdown. And so they needed to desperately recast Steph. So in I come. And by the third day, I got the call to say, you got the job. And so then I had to go back into the production office and they, they throw all this information at you. And so it was like a pile of scripts and a schedule that uh, was kind of complicated to understand, especially if you're coming in from the outside, you've got no idea how it works. And they said, here's the schedule. You've got 19 scenes starting tomorrow morning. Develop the character of Steph. You've got a 6 a.m. start. So I had literally 13 hours to sort of step into the shoes of Steph Scully and learn 19 scenes and hit the ground running. So it was just like a complete, it completely unexpected, everything I'd been working toward my whole life, but completely unexpected circumstances. So, yeah, and then it was like 19 scenes every day for six weeks because I had to reshoot everything that they'd already shot with the this other woman who plays Steph. So, yeah, it was a bit of a trial by fire. Wow. What a story. I love the idea of no plan B. There's just a plan A. You've got to go for it. And being just a young girl and calling up people on the phone. I know I used to be a journalist. And so you get very used to just ringing strangers and a lot of the time they're not wanting to speak to you. (laughs) But I also see with a lot of people I work with, there's that fear around cold calling. There's that fear around how do I make that happen? But I love the courage of 10-year-old Carla just ringing the numbers and then jumping on the train and making it happen. It was the only way I knew how to make my dream come true. It was the only way. I mean, now for me to have that kind of courage to make a cold call, no, I really don't. (laughs) I just don't really like I did then. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we have that? confidence and that courage when we're younger and then tend to lose it as we get older because society beats the shit out of us mm. <laughs> it beats it out of us it we get um indoctrinated into other systems and and the ways that we need to conduct ourselves and measures of success and yeah i mean that's that's a deep one because if you look at from when we're born you know and what we're connected to when we're born and then you know it's kind of it's kind of beaten out of us and and then yeah so i think that's why it's like before society really gets its grip on us um we have no fear yeah and it's we've got to return to that as much as we can we do don't we yeah that's Mm. that's and that's the work i do is returning to self is remembrance yeah, so take us through that transition. You were Steph for so many years. Were there times when you didn't know who you were or was it very easy just to switch into real life and character? That's such a great question because the reason I left the show was because I didn't know who I was. Like I actually struggled with I'd always I knew who I was as character. I knew who I was as mum as a daughter, as a partner, as a friend, cousin, sister, all of that. But I had no idea who I was. 
Like who's Carla? Who's Carla Wanna? Um, so that was a choice I made in, when was it? 2010, 2010 to leave the show. Um, and that was, yeah, for, for one to really be with my kids and do the mundane mum stuff that I was never around to do. And also too, because it was becoming very important for me to, it was pressing, it was, you know, I had the calling. It was like, you need to come back, come back, come back. So, yeah. Mm. And you did go back to the show for a short time after that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I returned a couple of times. So 2013, I came back for a little guesty. And then 2015, I returned full time for the next few years. All up, the association with the show is 20 years. So. And do you feel like when you went back that second time, you did have a much stronger sense of who you were? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was very interesting too, because the whole culture of the place had really shifted, but I'd shifted as well, so much so that I was now the observer. Like I used to be the kid. I do cartwheels and I will always do cartwheels for the rest of my life. And I used to cartwheel down those corridors of that studio all the time. I had so much energy and, and, um, and I loved my job and, and, so I'm cartwheel all the time, but this time I'm more sort of sat back and I was the observer of others doing the cartwheels or not, you know. So it was really interesting. It was a really interesting dynamic. And, and I could see myself in all of these youngsters. Yeah, because as the character grows over so many years, so do you. I think uh, a lot of Australians can relate to characters like yourself that they've watched grow up on TV. I often think yeah. of Kate Ritchie, Sally. I think that's why yes. I think because it's the same name and it's that similar journey of, of growing up on television. Absolutely. Yeah, Steph and I went through a lot together. And I'm really honoured that I'm actually, I'm imprinted into the minds and lives and hearts of people. And that's a really beautiful position to be in because there's a, there's just a knowing and it happens all the time. And it's lovely to be able to say, yeah, you grew up with me, you know, it's like, it feels really nice to have that. Yeah. And with all of those scenes, especially when you didn't have much notice, here you go, 6am, let's start. Did you have a voice warm up practice that you would do? Absolutely not. The only voice training I've done was when I went to the UK to do panto. Mm. And oh, prior to going, actually, I was having some singing lessons. So I guess that's a bit different to voice training, right? But um, Similar, yeah. Yeah. So I was having these singing lessons because I was going to be on stage playing Cinderella. And so then I actually, at the same time, I was doing a Steph and breast cancer storyline. And I woke up one morning and saw a lump in my throat here and I just freaked. And as I hadn't had voice training, I also didn't have technique training. Like I'm, I wasn't a trained actor at this point. So I was just pulling from what if, what if this happened to me? What if? And so I would live out every day someone else's reality but of, of having cancer. And so, you know, every morning I'd wash my hair and when I'd brush my hair, I'd take the hair out of the, the brush or the comb and stick it in a box for when that day came that I did the scene where her hair's falling out from the chemotherapy. Um, but anyway, I found this lump in my throat and I thought that I had manifested cancer for myself because I'd been putting myself through it every day. Anyway, I had a CT scan and did all of that and found that it was it was a muscle from my, from my singing training. So, oh, thank goodness. Yes, yeah, thank goodness. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, 
I'm very passionate about my work and I have a lot of respect for the craft. Yeah, I really thought that I'd taken myself in that deep, that I'd done some damage. Yeah, and with manifestation, it really is energy flows where intention goes. So if all you're thinking about is something, then you can see how that could happen. So let's move to when you left Neighbours and what you've been doing since. Well, look, this was beautiful because when I was, you know, very early in the piece, like straight away, it would be people would want cuddles on the street, come up to me and just want a hug. (laughs) And it was beautiful. And it was so, it really hit me in a very powerful way how I could make someone's day just by, you know, that exchange of energy, that that sort of giving them a moment of my time, giving them a hug, giving them a smile, saying hello, whatever it was. And I would get fan mail about it and so it kind of grew and I was really realising that there's more to this, there's more to this than me going to work and doing what I do and coming home and having a profile. It was for a bigger reason. And so then in 2012 I really, when I'd left the show, I really turned to purpose and going, what is it that I'm here to do, that I have the benefit of this profile? Like, you know, it's much bigger than me. Yeah, I discovered that it was I want to make people's lives better. I want to help people to live more fulfilled, contented lives. But I also thought that I had a lot to work through. I need to conquer my monsters before I can help anyone else through it. So anyway, we learn a lot, don't we? Because now I know with all of my training, it's never been about conquering monsters or shadows or anything. It's about about making friends with them and learning to manage them, identifying when there's a flare up and, you know, you sort of do what you need to do. Yeah, I discovered that it was in my story. And so I embarked on the journey of public speaking, which scared the shit out of me, like so scared of speaking publicly because I'd always had the safety net of the script and it was always Steph, not Carla speaking, you know, and so now it was raw and it was vulnerable and it was all of those terrifying things. And I was also, I think, so afraid of what people would think and all of that, but I knew that it needed to be told because I'd already had enough experience that someone was like oh my god if you can go through that then I don't feel so bad about myself you know so I'm like okay this is the this is the road I'm heading down now so really terrified to do it though and I so I embarked on a couple of um, public speaking courses and yeah did this intensive five days and then at the end of the five days we put on an, an event and and did our talks and I've done a few events over the years and I mean, who am I not to share my story if it's going to help someone? And then I'm expanding from there and journeying with people. Yeah, it's so beautiful. And that's where uh, Carla and I met, actually, was through a course, which is all about discovering your dharma and helping others discover theirs. Mm. I also uh, love that you mentioned that you found the script a lot easier. And a lot of actors will say that, that the script is a lot of comfort. And one of the techniques that I'm not sure if you still use, but I work with with my clients is to pretend that you're acting is to create a character for yourself. So when I do keynotes, I do it in the character of Scarlet and Scarlet's like just an extra confident version of myself. It's like Beyonce meets Taylor Swift on the reputation tour. And I just take (laughs) that character out there as a way of 
heightening my confidence and dealing with any criticisms. So would you say that that's quite a good technique that you can use? That's a brilliant technique, Sally. That's really, really good, yes. And look, I ventured down that as well of developing this character who was a public speaker, who loved to speak, who, you know, was confident. But it tripped me up because I was so rigid and stuck to this Mm. script. I was still the actor doing it. And so because I wasn't confident enough to just flow with it, I tripped up on stage. So, you know, and that taught me a big lesson. Yeah, it's about using it to enhance, not using it to mask. Yeah, well, that's where Mm. you can teach me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look, I can relate. When I first started speaking, I have a background in speech and drama, you know, so I was on stage with all the Estedfords and I've had everything memorised right down to the inflection and the pause and the gesture. (laughs) It was all very, like, I got really freaked out in improvisation in drama class. Like, when we had to do improvisations, I would just memorise about 30 different scenarios and then, like, pick one that would... (laughs) match because I just found myself so unable to like let it go and be a tree (laughs) so so I really took that uh into one of my first speeches it was so rehearsed and it was so it was just such a performance it wasn't I wasn't speaking from my soul and that's actually a quite good time to transition into how you've used spirituality or how you use spirituality in your life. Is this a journey that you've been on your whole life or is this something that happened recently? So I was raised with my sister and single mum. My mum was very spiritual, is a very spiritual woman. And we grew up with tarot deck on the lounge room table, you know, like it was always part of our world. I mean, I've found some letters that I've written from when I was a kid recently. It's like, yes, I can tell you I was always on a path. But when I started on the show, funnily, I found that who I was, there was uh, a lot of people that couldn't relate to me. And because also two of all the other dialogues, all the other bloody BS going on in my head, that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't enough as I was, which is why they couldn't relate. But I chose to drop my spirituality. I chose to go, that's... uh, that's woo-woo or probably didn't use that word then, but I need to just be here and now and in the commercial world and, and superficial, like, you know, like all of this on this level to be able to meet people. Biggest mistake of my life, but I didn't notice it. I didn't realise until until I was fraught with shadows and issues and, and living a life that Steph was my escape because me, myself, I was not enough. Yeah, it was wild what came of that. And always I had, you know, if I had have readings, um, you know, psychic readings or, readings or, or tarot or something, I was always told, pick up your spirituality. It's important that you turn back to your spirituality, like always. So I actually didn't realise how impactful it was until I did pick it up again because, and then I realised, oh, my gosh, I was drowning there. I was drowning. I couldn't breathe. And now here I am back connected to my spirituality and there's this expansion, you know, like I'm, it's like I've I've just, I've I've come up out of the, out of the water again, you know, like this surge up out of the depths and that first gasp. Oh, that's such a great way to describe it. And it's a similar story for myself and for a lot of people I know, which is it 
was always there, especially as a child, mm-hmm. and then it gets lost and then it's rediscovered and it's like, whoa, yeah, yeah. this is exactly what I need. Yeah, I, I, I learned there and then, don't ever turn away from it again. For anyone listening who wants to speak from their soul, they want to speak more authentically, they don't want to have to put on a character or they may, might feel like that's what they're already doing. They're just being what they feel like they should be and they want to be more vulnerable, they want to be more real. What advice would you give to them? The inner journey, turning inward. I think to know thyself is our greatest superpower. Because when we are connected to self and we're cultivating relationship to self, then we can apply, we can ingest the medicine that we need and we can ingest it because we can identify it. We go through processes and I was wounded. I was so wounded. And that's from childhood. That's from, you know, stuff. But I used to just patch it with partying and, you know, with Band-Aid, right? But also didn't have any idea of who I was again we come back to that point earlier and there was a series of synchronicities that happened in my life I mean you ask and you shall receive it is so true I I got so sick of myself and in my shit I was the common denominator in all my shit and so I needed to take hiatus from relationship from everything to turn inward and embark on that journey to know thyself and I tell you I have never band-aided with anything but self-love now and so all these gaping wounds that I was full of I filled them with self-love with the medicine that I learnt along the path and it's so powerful that I'm like this is what I'm here to do this is what this profile has created for me is this platform to be able to help guide people back home to self Yeah. And that's why I do purpose work as well, because you want to find your voice. You need to find yourself. That's right. You want to speak your truth. You need to know what that is. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, in terms of giving anyone advice, it is really find yourself a coach. I'm available. Sal's available. (laughs) But, you know, turn inward. Because to know thyself is our greatest superpower. What a beautiful note to end on. Was there anything else you wanted to add? And how can people work with you or get to know more about you? Everyone's more than welcome to follow me on Instagram. Carla Bonner 3 is my handle. I'm really most active there. And why is it Carla Bonner 3? I think somebody took my name. You're joking. (laughs) (laughs) How rude. Very rude. I know, I know. It's been that way for years, yeah. Oh, it's why I don't have sallyprosser.com because it's already taken yeah. by somebody who's not even using the site. So that's why I'm always, I'm .au. <laughs> Sally, I had that too. That's why I'm carlabonna.com.au because mm. um, someone bought carlabonna.com, wasn't carlabonna and wanted to charge me like $10,000 for it. <laughs> no, thanks. People Gosh. make a career out of doing that stuff though. Mm. Yeah. Just, yeah, jump onto the socials and find me, DM me. And yeah, can always organize to have a discovery call and have a chat about what it is that you that you're seeking and how it is that I could help you. Carla's reels are fantastic. (laughs) They're so creative and so entertaining. (laughs) 
So I will put all the links to that in the show notes. Carla Bonner, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been such a wonderful chat. I've been taking notes as we've been going along and have a wonderful afternoon. Sal, thank you so much for having me. It was beautiful, beautiful to chat. Thanks for listening to That Voice Podcast. If this episode resonated with you, please share it with your people on social media and tag me at Sally Prosser Voice. And for episode details straight to your inbox, leave your email at www.thatvoicepodcast.com.